Hey, welcome, Jelly Bellies, to the pre-roll to ELL191. I want to tell you a little bit about a wonderful thing that has been bestowed upon us by the gods, and that, of course, is CBD. And we happen to have a great resource for you. That is the North Spokane Hemp Company. You can find them at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. They've got all the tinctures. They've got all the oils. They've got all the flowers that you might need to take care of your ailments, your pet's ailments, help you sleep. For me, I just completely jacked up my neck muscles yesterday. I don't even know how it happened. But North Spokane CBD is going to help me get through the night, help me sleep, and help me recover. So check them out. Use the promo code LIONS for 15% off. Again, www.NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, Electric Liberty Land number 191. All the show notes for today's episode can be found at lionsofliberty.com slash ELL191. Uh, how's everybody doing? How's life? How's things? How's tricks? Hopefully good. Hopefully you haven't been uh, harassed outside while you're eating on a street side cafe by Black Lives Matters protesters. As I'm seeing now, tons of viral videos of people simply trying to have a nice damn meal outside. They're not allowed to sit inside restaurants anymore. So they're on the streets where it's become popular for Black Lives Matters protesters to go up and start fucking screaming at them. Because they didn't, I think, I saw one where uh, white people at a restaurant didn't put their fists in the air. So the entire crowd decided to surround them and start screaming at them and intimidating them. Because obviously that's what's going to give Jacob Blake the justice that he may deserve. And uh, having watched the video, which is pretty horrible. I mean, it's another instance of a guy, no matter what his criminal past, and I guess this this video, you know, the man was shot in the back very clearly in the back, trying to get back into his car to, I guess, drive away from police. Now, never a great idea when you have people that have guns drawn on you to push through and go to your car and try to drive away. However, you could argue, of course, you could use any number of non-lethal means to detain this man. You could simply try to stop him with your hands. You could try to uh, pull a car in front of his car. Many other options than what the police decided to do, which was to shoot him literally 15 times. It sounded like, you know, that's about the number of gunshots. It sounded like went off in the back as he's climbing into his car. Clearly this is going to upset a lot of people, myself included. We don't know the circumstances around this, of course, and nobody, nobody wants to wait to see what the circumstances are around any of this. They just want to go out immediately, march immediately, riot, immediately loop, loot and burn. And that's, what's been happening. Kenosha, Wisconsin is where this man was shot. And uh, like I said, it seemed like people were saying it was in front of his kids, which is extra horrific. So instead of saying, okay, this is terrible. We've been out protesting and talking about this exact thing. Why is this message not getting through? Why have these police departments not altered the way in which they are uh, handling encounters with individuals like this to avoid this type of outcome for a man who did not look on the video I saw like he was being violent. It just looked like he was trying to get back in his car. Now, 
Could that be considered violent because he's getting behind the wheel of a vehicle? I don't know if he's intoxicated or what. Maybe. Does he deserve to be shot in cold blood immediately in that manner? Absolutely not. But the reaction to this, especially in communities like Portland, especially in communities like uh, Minneapolis, and now this Kenosha, Wisconsin, the response is for people to go out, burn stores to the ground. And I was watching a a terrible video, um, which our friends over at the New American Media had shared, which I think was initially from Red State or something like that. But it's of a guy who's a business owner. He had inherited the store from his parents. They've run this family store for 38 years. 38 years. Burned to the ground. Burned to the fucking ground. This guy's never hurt anybody. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't killed any black people. He's not racist. He's not going out of his way. He's just trying to live his life in the best possible way he can. He now has destruction surrounding him. I was talking to a client of mine, a public relations client of mine here up in, in she has got several stores in Hollywood. And I'll just leave it at say they're technology stores. And she was saying, yeah, you know, I was talking to her. I was like, yeah, I know that I know that during the, the, the looting that was going on that your stores got hit. And she goes, yeah, well, you know, stealing's one thing, but do they have to burn them down? And I didn't even realize that it happened. But I guess not only did they steal all the expensive tech equipment, which of course is all insured if you have a business, but they also burned it to the ground, the entire building. Because fuck computers. I, I mean, what's the goddamn logic? And we're seeing the same thing happen now. What's the logic? How does anyone benefit by wanton destruction of private property? And the police aren't doing anything about it. You've got these Black Lives Matter protesters who everybody I saw in this one video or this one picture is fucking white, by the way. Bunch of goddamn white dickholes in Wisconsin out there screaming at people on the street because they're not putting their fist in the air in solidarity. How does that help your cause? How does intimidation, destruction of property... And violent actions help your cause. These fucking people don't get it. Just like I, when I bitch about the Libertarian Party and Joe Jorgensen supporting Black Lives Matter as they continue to, to tweet out Black Lives Matter shit, it's different to try to appeal. If, if you're the Libertarian Party or if you're Black Lives Matter at this point in time and you think that this is a winning message to appeal to people who are looking at the violence, looking at loss of property, loss of livelihood, people's lives being destroyed, violent people, violent actions, people getting drugged out of cars and beaten within an inch of their life in the street. And you think, well, yeah, they're going to get it. They're going to they're going to come around to our side because what we're doing is right. This is just. We're we're taking back the, you know, we're taking vengeance for Jacob Blake. Well, the people that you're destroying They don't know who Jacob Blake is. They didn't personally do anything to Jacob Blake. If they're white, they're accusing him, oh, you're white, you're part of the problem, you're part of the the white system that's keeping us down and keeping us oppressed. And this is something I'll get into with the DNC, RNC stuff too, because that was like a message of the DNC during this entire convention. Systematic racism, everybody's oppressed. And then you've got the RNC on the other side and Tim Scott, who gave a fantastic speech, um, telling you the opposite. You know, this is that America is not a racist country. So if, if you're out there screaming at people, breaking, breaking everything in sight, and again, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Black Lives Matters protesters or just fucking hooligans are out there smashing random cars in parking lots with baseball bats, just bashing in the windows, bashing in the, sh- the, the windshields, stealing shit out of the back of the car. Do they know? Did the license plate indicate who's white and black in this scenario? Do I miss it? If any, the people that have fucking owls on their license plates, as opposed to uh, to the the snowy pines that you can opt for at the DMV, 
Are that is that black versus white? Do we know? Is there a chart somewhere that I can download as I'm bashing these cars? It's just so stupid. And you see again and again, Black Lives Matter support is gone from something like 75% support throughout the nation. Now it's going to be, especially after this, it's going to be down around 20, <laughs> maybe less. I mean, when you've got a large portion of the black populace that is now against Black Lives Matter, the movement, because of the violence it's taken, because of the defund the police uh, that they're calling for in communities that are already heavily riddled with crime and uh, and violence. What does this solve? And it's obvious this is no longer connected to the movement. This is people that just simply want to go out and destroy. They're simply people that have something wrong with them when it comes to fundamentally understanding how their actions will play out in the real world and being able to control their emotions. You know, I talked about this before in an overarching sense when it when we come to you know, the rising in school shootings, for example, or the rising in suicide rates. These things are tied together when it comes to the younger generation. You know, not the youngest yet, because I'm going to talk about, a, a, actually, I started this off in a negative note, but I meant to start it positive. But the youngest generation right now, you know, the 16-year-olds, they're, they're starting to get it. They're seeing what's going on. The generation above them, you know, these the the high school seniors that are going out or the uh, the freshmen in college that are going out or, or current seniors in, in high school and, and uh, those who are already in college. These people have been living a life of isolation wherein they're still dialoguing on social media, but they're not necessarily dialoguing in person. You've got these, these people that are on the outskirts of society, not the main people, but people on the outskirts that are being pushed away, that are not learning social interaction skills, that are not learning how to deal with their environments, how to deal with other people, how to deal with disappointment, how to deal with rage in a, in a way that's not going to simply be explosive violence. You're seeing that in school shootings. You're seeing it now with these Antifa fuckers and the, and the Black Lives Matters protesters that are the violent ones with these kids that are in the streets breaking cars and screaming at people and threatening to, you know, to beat them up. This is all interwoven. And that's why we're seeing any little spark. They excuse to go crazy. Let's go. Let's run out. Let's go destroy shit. Because number one, they know they're going to get away with it. And number two, they don't have the capability to have a dialogue about it. They only have the ability to react viscerally. And this is something that, again, social media, echo chambers, being secluded, and also just a lack of parenting, a lack of cohesion family units, and a lack, honestly, if we're going to talk very plainly about it, a breakdown of cultural institutions and cultural norms. You know, this is something the left has long protested against cultural norms as a great evil, but they are not. They are vitally important to keeping a society together, wherein we are all going to agree to operate and pass on to our children, and our children will abide by these rules voluntarily, to have a society in which dialogue, freedom of speech is respected. You can have arguments between people and not have it come to blows. You're not just resorting to wanton intimidation and violence and destruction to get your way. And we're seeing that fall apart because they are being taught that the system, this cultural norm is a system of violent oppression, even when it is fucking clearly not. And they're being taught that this is a racist world and that everyone in it plays a part in, in you know, it's the, uh, what is it? The, God, I'm blanking on the phrase right now. The, oh, oppressors and oppressed, 
right? So no matter where you are, these people are all being taught that they are the oppressed. It doesn't matter if you're a fucking middle uh, income white kid from the suburbs. Well, you've been oppressed in some way and you are also the oppressor in some way. So you've got these two different narratives that you've been preached to where you are both God and the devil, but you're looking around, you're like, well, I don't feel like a God. My life is, I still have to go out and, and, and work. And, uh, you know, I'm still have people yelling at me and telling me that I'm shit all the time. I still have stress to deal with. I still have to figure out what the fuck I'm doing with my life to deal with. But at the same time, you're told you have to fight for the oppressed that you're oppressing. So there's a lot of ang- mental anguish going on in these people who are not going to accept that. Well, why don't we just have a conversation about it? No, they have to go out and fight. You have to rise up and smash. Because this is what the left is preaching. This is what mainstream media is preaching. This is what academia is preaching right now. And as you can see, the result is pretty fucked up. And we're seeing it every single time there's any instance. In Portland, there doesn't even have to be a reason for these things to happen. They just continue to protest and bash shit and break shit all the time. I mean, we're seeing something like, I was reading an article about Portland businesses just fleeing the area. No shit. If you're a Portland business, why would you stay there when you've got 80, you know, what is it? 80 nights of rioting, of looting, of people just breaking, breaking everything in sight, of shattering storefronts, of going to suburbs in the middle of the night. Again, how is this helpful to your cause? These Black Lives Matter protesters and organizers in these fucking communities going to suburbs or going to communities that are families in houses on the streets and honking and yelling and screaming and breaking windows and saying, wake up, motherfuckers, which is literally happening. How does that help you? Do you think you're converting anybody that way? This is like when libertarians go up and scream, all taxation is theft at people without any context or without any any forewarning or dialoguing or seeing what issues you agree on. It is having the opposite effect. You need to find dialogue. You need to have common ground. You can't just go up and scream at people. And more than that, I mean, libertarians, we respect people. We don't want to take their shit. We don't want to hurt you. We'll leave you alone. We might not agree with you. But when you have people literally trying to ruin your life, ruin your children's lives, terrify your kids as they're lying in bed by going down in bullhorns in the streets and people with protest signs and fucking pitchforks or whatever else they're carrying around there, that ain't getting it done. All that's doing is driving people into an authoritarian mindset where they want the cops to come in and they want the cops to start fucking putting bullets in heads. I guarantee you, that's what those people are saying. So for every Jacob Blake riot you see now, whereas everybody was behind it, right? When George Floyd died, everybody was like, this is outrageous. This Jacob Blake situation, everyone would have been completely behind it. This is horrible. We can't believe what we're seeing here. Something needs to be done. We need to continue this conversation about what, what, how we can we change the basics of policing to avoid this. But instead of that, you're going to have people go, oh my God. And then they see massive violence and burning and looting and people screaming at their children. And they say, you know what? I feel bad for that guy. I'd still like to see a lot of bullets put in a lot of heads of these fucking people that are rocking through the streets and ruining my shit and burning my stores down. How does that help? Absolutely idiotic. All right, but that's not what I want to start on. However, that's the way it went. What I wanted to talk about was the kids are going to be all right. I'm telling you, I had a a, a really eye-opening experience this past weekend. I was at a barbecue at my uh, a few, you know, friend's house that just moved in about a block away from us. So I'm at this barbecue at their house, and 
Two of my super lefty friends were there, uh, good friends of ours. I mentioned my one lefty friend before. I don't mention my name, but he and his wife were there, and they brought their daughter, who's 16. She just, you know, just got a learner's permit. So I'm sitting there, and you know, I'm talking to the to the parents, and they're, you know, kind of just being annoying because they're they're I got my baby there, and they're like, oh, Kamala, Kamala to the baby. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And the wife who I actually had a long conversation with later that night about, you know, not, not wasting her vote by voting for fucking sleepy Joe, <laughs> dementia Joe, but not wasting her vote. And said voting for Joe Jorgensen, you know, and voting for a third party candidate, even if she's not lockstep with libertarianism, which of course she's not, she's very progressive thinking mostly, I think because her husband's brainwashed her to be so, but I had a conversation with her about, you know, we need to have other options. You know, she'd agree with me that these are both crony corporatists, uh, you know, the, the corporate elitists on both sides, the Republicans and the Democrats, that they've done nothing. We talked about how California's got more homeless out there. We're spending millions, how poverty levels haven't changed, how education is in the shitter despite all the money spent in it. And I'm, I'm like, going, why would you support this? Even if you don't like Trump, why would you want to, to usher in another era of the same old shit and the same old war, you know, elitist, corporatist war state that's been bankrupting everything? That's Leo, your, your child, you guys had to fight to get her a good education because the schools here are all completely fucked. And she agreed with me. And I'm like, well, then why don't you just cast your vote for Joe Jorgensen? If for no other reason than to, to count it as a protest vote, I mean, California's going to go blue either way. Try to get a third party in there to open it up for all third parties. We have different choices to make here. And she was on board. But again, we'll see how that plays out when she sobers up. Because I'm, you know, I'm I'm very good at converting people drunk, but once her, you know, once she talks to her husband and her husband turns on uh, Rachel Maddow for 14 hours straight, I'm sure that he can brainwash her back into submission. But their kids is where things kind of got interesting. Uh, their son's just going off to college. And locally, but you go off to college here in a good school. And, you know, she was telling me, she goes, yeah, well, you know, my son's basically, I think he's going to be like Republican or Libertarian. I was like, good. And then she goes, yeah, and my daughter, she's there. She hates Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris. And I said, really? Interesting. She says, oh, yeah, her and all of her friends hate her. They can't stand her. And I'm like, this is very interesting news. So later on the night. You know, 16-year-old girl's not hanging out with all the parents outside. But I go in, and I'm like, hey, you, you hate Kamala Harris? She's like, yeah, I can't stand her. And I'm talking to her like, yeah, she, yeah, she's a cop, right? She's throwing people in jail. She's holding evidence. She's like, yep, bing, bing. And she's listing off the same things. Like, everything I know about Kamala Harris, she's lifting, listing these things off. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Because here's what's happening. You had the last generation, you know, the millennials and the, and I guess the half generation after that, that still came up under the illusions of traditional media. You know, their parents watch traditional media. They grew up watching that traditional media with them. Their parents are towning them with these progressive politics, at least here in California, or just in general, the two party political systems, right? And now, because of the different ways that this next generation, you know, the 16 year olds out there through 18, probably the way that they're looking at the world, they're not getting any information from mainstream media anymore. They are literally questioning all of the information that's being passed down from on high because with, I mean, meme culture and tweet culture and everything else culture has been a, it's really provided a subversive counterpoint. And we've seen this happening. I mean, for us, obviously, 
I'm on social media, but I try to avoid it to the extent that I think it's cancerous. But I still get a lot of my news from online news sources. The new generation, they're getting their news from, I don't even know where. You know, again, memes, passing back and forth, news links, TikTok feeds, live feeds, whatever it might be. They're definitely not getting it from the places that are telling them who to vote for in this corporate elite system. And they're seeing a lot of education that's getting pushed through, pointing out how bad these candidates are. I mean, the fact that this 16-year-old girl and all of her friends, and if all of her friends think it, probably the broader spectrum of young people around that age are probably on board with it, because you know how these things go. So if all this is being shared among these 16-year-old communities, maybe Kamala Harris can get in there because, you know, because people are dumb enough to vote for Joe Biden. I don't know. I still think Trump's going to win in a landslide and everything that's been happening has made me think that more and more, including the messaging that's come out with the RNC and DNC I'll get into in a second. But if they're opening up to this, we actually might see a change in our lives finally coming to fruition where the two-party system is not going to remain on top because they're going to see how bad these candidates are, how things are propped up, how they're manipulating uh, you know, records, how they're manipulating personal gain, who's supporting who leading into this. They can dig up the records of these people far more than was ever possible in the past. And you've got social media personalities that are putting out memes and shit that are they're shared so quickly where people can go, okay, what the hell does that mean? Kamala's a cop. Let me Google Kamala's a cop. And then it takes them down that hole of education where they find out what's really going on. So, I mean, shit, I'm happy as hell. The fact that, and just the fact in general that a 60-year-old cares about criminal justice issues, about this woman's prosecutor, prosecutorial, prosecutorial? Yeah, that's probably a word. Record, you know, more than the fact that, oh, it's a, she's a certain color and she's a chick. That's fucking awesome. Maybe we can finally get past this idiotic identity politics nonsense that the left has been shoving down our fucking throats for the last 20 years and start to focus more on, as Martin Luther King said, and as Tim Scott said in his speech, focusing more on not the color of the skin, but what makes up your character. These people have been, you know, again, her, this household that this girl grew up in, you know, super woke nonsense all the time. Like, I, like if there's one thing that I, I fight about with my friend, it's the woke bullshit that he pushes through. Like, there was a meme somebody sent because football season's coming up, right? And it had a picture of Carson Wentz uh, and and uh, I can't remember who. Dwayne Haskins, I think, is the Redskins or the Washington football team's quarterback now. And then you had, uh, you know, whatever, whoever, Dave Jones, the new quarterback for uh, New York Giants on there. And they all dressed up as like, what if they looked like women? You know, and somebody photoshopped them so they looked like chicks. And then they had the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, and it just looked like him. They didn't photoshop it. Of course, the joke is that he's already a chick. Ha ha ha. It's a dumb joke. But again, who gives a fuck? It's innocent. It's funny. You look at it. It's a visual thing. Ah, it's funny. Okay. So my one buddy, my woke buddy, he texts back. He goes, you know, stay classy, uh, guys, uh, you know, making fun of, of women. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Who are you? Number one, who are you trying to impress here in this group? We're already all your friends. Why are you trying to look so woke and knowledgeable? You know, oh, well, we can't. We have to treat women with respect. We can't have a joke. You can't make a joke about women. <laughs> Why? What are you trying to prove? So anyway, it's interesting to see, though, that 
it, and you see this all the time, the counterpoints to the constant barrage of woke nonsense. And in this instance, it looks like the kids are going to be all right. So welcome. My, it's pretty. She's pre- she, I'm hoping she's not going to listen to this episode because I told her to listen to the Lions of Liberty podcast if she wants to know a little more about libertarianism. So she may be listening to this right now, uh, in which case, welcome. <laughs> and sorry for talking crap on your parents. <laughs> all right. I'll be right back after this. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. Free Ross. Oh, yeah. So that is a track or the lead into the track you're hearing play behind me right now from a man that I love dearly like a brother, Tyler Colford, who I have hung out with many times at Pork Fest. Also goes by the moniker Crypto Man or the K. This song, Hashtag Free Ross, that's the name of the track, is to bring attention to the plight of Ross Ulbricht, who, of course, created Silk Road and was jailed for simply providing a platform for people to interact voluntarily with each other. I mean, the man's been put away for an untold amount of time. I mean, ungodly sentence. Two life sentences plus 40 years. Something like that. Impossible to ever get out of jail. And not for murdering somebody. Not for, uh, for you know, taking children away. No. For providing a way for people to traffic voluntarily outside of the government's purview and in substances that they don't like. So this song doesn't only draw attention for Ross Ulbricht himself, but also for the entirety of the criminal justice system. Them for putting people in jail for non-violent crimes and keeping them there for the rest of their lives. So please listen to it. Listen to it on repeat. Buy it. All of the uh, money raised from this is going to go to the Free Ross Project, guys. This is a very important cause. Reasons behind it. Cato's behind it. We're behind it. You should get behind it, too. Thanks for everything you can do. Free Ross, baby. Hashtag Free Ross. Okay, welcome back to ELL 191. Um, let's get a little bit into the DNC RNC stuff. And of course, I got to wait. I'm going to record some of this, so then I got to wait because Rand Paul is set to speak tonight when I'm recording it on Tuesday, and I want to see what he has to say. I, um, be perfectly honest, I did not watch a second of the Democratic National Convention other than to literally flip it on. As I mentioned last show, flipped it on. When Jesus Christ, this is the most boring, ineptly produced thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just looked like a public access uh, channel. And even more so because I don't know if you guys caught this out there, but I got to play it for you real quick. This was a music video (laughs) to describe the scene for you. It was a music video. That has a, uh, a, a, I guess, a well-known black singer who I, I'd never heard of him before, but he looks kind of familiar. And he's named uh, Billy Porter. But Billy Porter gets up there and Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills and Nash playing the uh, Buffalo Springfield's protest song for what is it? For what it's worth? Yeah, for what it's worth is what it's called. And it just is Billy Porter comes out and he's in this weird draped outfit and he spreads the cape out it's like a cape back thing and he looks like he's doing the batman and it's got this cheesy ass fucking 
you know, chroma keyed background in it that he's dancing around in front of with American flags and then kind of like Black Lives Matter protesters, athletes. And uh, Stephen Stills is in the back, just looking old and decrepit as possible. Just, you know, with his guitar resting on his fat belly, you know, t- tweeting on the, the guitar. Just let me just play a quick snippet of it and then we can uh, laugh and move on. But it kind of encapsulated the Democratic National Convention to me. I didn't see the other performances from the the chicks as they took out the Dixie or from Billy Eilish, who I could give two fucks about. Um, but anyway, let, just listen to this real quick. But it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to be well Think it's time we start Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's a little taste of it. Now, it was even more bizarre and boring than I can possibly describe. And it did not get a great reception, shockingly enough. I mean, some of the pundits, some of the, the super lefties can pretend it was something that it wasn't. But it was uh, it was not moving other than to provoke absolute laughter from uh, from every quarter. But overall, the DNC, I didn't watch, you know, I, I read the recaps I didn't watch Biden's speech. I really, I don't really care. I know he recorded 75 times if he, if he got it out. And I heard it was a pretty good speech. I heard he plagiarized an earlier speech he did. And also people were saying he plagiarized. Like his big key thing was something like, you know, from uh, the darkness to the light and blah, blah, blah. And people were comparing it to some other famous speech from history. Whatever. Nobody owns a trademark on going from one thing to the other thing. It's stupid commentary. The bigger thing that take out of this is that, okay, give Joe credit. They were able to record uh, him for a period of time wherein he didn't completely embarrass himself as he does every time he goes on television or he will do at a debate if they ever have one, which I don't think they will. I think they're probably content to absolutely not let him out of the bunker, the Biden bunker. Highway to the Biden zone, where he just sits at home and listens to that on repeat. <laughs> And charge. They probably do. They probably just have Biden listen to Highway to the Danger Zone and earbuds all day on repeat because anything else that enters into his Alzheimer's dementia riddled brain. And again, not to make light of a terrible disease. I know dementia's tough, Alzheimer's tough, but clearly Joe has it. But they probably want to prevent anything else from going in there. Kind of like the old SpongeBob SquarePants cartoons where if you learn something new, then it pushes out something old. You know, SpongeBob learned everything you could learn about becoming a waiter and then forgot his name. That's what's going to happen with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to memorize all the Black Lives Matter statistics so he doesn't get them catastrophically wrong or the COVID statistics, which he also got catastrophically wrong. I think in 
He, just in his speech, I think he actually had one flow where he said 50 million people were out of work uh, or were on unemployment just from COVID, which is not true. But it will push out, you know, the basic knowledge of who his son was or uh, how to tie your shoes. So, yeah, keep him on uh, Highway to the Danger Zone on repeat. But I did hear about Obama's speech. I heard about you know, Michelle Obama's speech, which, again, was just race baiting bullshit. You know, I read a little bit about it. I read some excerpts. It seemed like that was the theme of the night for the Democrats. Blame Trump for COVID from the from the shit I've written. It was blame Trump for COVID, which is on its face idiotic. It's a goddamn global pandemic. All right, is Trump responsible for all the deaths around the world? No. <laughs> to say that Trump somehow caused more deaths with his inaction, which I still think he moved fairly quickly. Um, and honestly, I would have moved far less quickly if I was him. I wouldn't have done half the stuff he did. I wouldn't have done one fourth of what what, uh, Trump had wanted done. I wouldn't have done one eighth of what idiots like Gavin Newsom in California did or what governor I love to kill old people Cuomo did in New York. But yet you've got Cuomo on stage speaking at the DNC, patting himself on the back for how he handled a pandemic that fucking ravaged his city and which currently has exoduses by major companies and people, just general people that lived in the city are selling their apartments. They're selling their houses. They're getting the fuck out of there. Good job, Cuomo. So anyway, it was all doom and gloom, though. And, you know, I saw there was a story that I was reading about a pollster. And I don't know if this pollster is from the left or the right. I, I, I can't remember. It was on Fox and Friends. So probably leans right. Uh, some sort of polling for Republican think tank is my guess. But she was on there saying that after the uh, first night of the Republican convention, people were pretty much pleased with the way it went and independence especially had said, well, yeah, it's pretty good. I give it like a you know B plus or something like that. And even Democrats said they gave it a C, which is shocking as you think it would be you know, F's all around. But that's the difference in messaging. Like I was talking about earlier with these black lives matters protesters and these violent, uh, you know, assholes who are out there lighting stuff on fire. They don't get. And again, the libertarian party doesn't get with its messaging and adoption of this black lives matter rhetoric uh, even if they don't support, quote unquote, the the movement, when you're using the hashtag, you are supporting the movement. You are supporting everything that movement does. And currently what that movement does is take on violent actions and destroy people's lives under the guise of fighting for equality. So you had the Democrats out there talking about how America is a horribly racist place. You have Michelle Obama lecturing people from her, you know, <laughs> for a position where your husband got elected twice you are one of the most powerful women in the world. You still are one of the most powerful women in the world, respected and adored by, you know, 80% of the populace. I'm, I'm, I'm on the outside of that. <laughs> but, you know, you can get a million dollars to speak anywhere you want. And you're here telling me that we live in a horribly racist society and that you were, you know, as a black woman that you you had it so hard and had difficulties at every turn. And it's just a little bit much to swallow. It's a little bit much. And if you're the average person watching this, who, again, for the past 20 years has been inundated with identity politics bullshit, if you're living in a city like New York or California, which the Republicans rightly hammered, hammered California for being basically, you know, a a paradise turned into a shithole because of the Democratic leadership that's in place here. And you're sitting there going, okay, well, on the one hand, I've got Republicans telling me a message of hope that America's got better things ahead of it, which was kind of like the, I guess, the rallying cry. Again, I didn't watch the, the RNC either. I'm not picking favorites here. I'm not going to watch either one of them. 
The only thing I watched was a little bit of, of speeches from the left, a little bit of, I watched Tim Scott's speech, and I'm going to watch Rand Paul's speech. But, you know, Tim Scott, so, you know, South Carolina senator, Republican, only black Republican senator. He gets up here and gives the best, best speech of the night by far. Uh, and overall, a very good speech talking about how he is growing up in the deep South. He went from, a, you know, a divorced parents household at the age of seven, moving in with his grandparents in a two bedroom house where they were all sharing one room. You know, his grandfather literally was a slave picking cotton. And he said, you know, the famous line of the night, he goes, look, in one lifetime, my family went from picking cotton to Congress. So don't tell me this is a racist nation, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but don't tell me it's a racist nation. Don't tell me that we have, you know, that we have, haven't done anything, that we live in a systematically racist position and that, that you can't get anything done and that, that, the, that every white person's against you. He says, yeah, we had a rough time in the past, but would I want to go back? No, you know, we're, we've made a lot of progress here again. From cotton fields to Congress. One lifetime for this guy. And he sees things getting better on the way forward. But again, not under this democratically run system, wherein you've got people telling you that you have to give up your uh, your property. Like, you know, again, if we're going with Black Lives Matter, they have to give turn over your property, that you have to accept uh, that you are that if you have any whiteness in you, that you are at fault and that you must bend down and literally kiss the toes of black people in the streets and all this other crazy shit. While raising your taxes, while you know giving droves of money to people that are homeless and supporting homeless people and not clearing them out and letting your cities burn and rot and seeing your property values drop, these are pretty. If you're the Democrats versus Republicans, these are messages of anxiety, of division, uh, and of more of the same shit versus messages of hope. And just from a purely positional standpoint, a branding standpoint, people that are in the middle. Why would you go with the Democrats? Why would you be attracted to a message so negative, so scolding? You know, like Michelle Obama is sitting there scolding you as though you're a bad child who needs to be disciplined. Why is that attractive? We're all sitting here forced to be home. Our lives have been turned upside down. The most severe restrictions have been put in place by Democratic governors, Democratic mayors, that are telling us, well, it's horrible outside. And if you don't want to wear a mask and you're an evil person, you know, it's like, it's all scolding. It's all, we, we know what's best for you. We're going to tell you how to live. We're going to tell you how to, how to live your life. We know the way forward. You don't know shit, you ignorant hillbilly fuck. If you're watching this, whether or not you're a hillbilly fuck or not, or just a regular everyday middle-class person, that's a white person or, or just not a black person or a uber left, ultra liberal uh, college graduate, you know, wokester. Why would you not be more attracted to the Republican side of things? And I already said that I think you're going to see a large amount of the black population going in droves to the Republican Party. I'm hoping some of those come to the Libertarian Party. But again, it's the messaging is awful. If you're in these black cities and you've got these people going up there and telling you, you know, talking about race and race and race and race, as you're literally in a city that is, you know, like Baltimore, for example, and you see a woman like Kim Klasik get up there. A black woman from Baltimore who was campaigning on, look at this city, look at the destruction, look how horrible and run down. It's been ravaged by Democratic leadership. Why would you not go, you know what, maybe she's on to something. 
And on that same note, you know, one of the things that I have talked about on the show numerous times, I think that all of you probably know, but I'll say it again, school choice. That's another thing where the black community, when you're talking about the opportunity to get your kids out of these terrible ghettos that have been built up around you, that have essentially been incentivized to stay in by the democratic leadership, you look and say, I want to give my kid the best shot, right? That's going to be at a charter school. That's going to be at a private school. Give me some tax credits. Give me some vouchers. We have studies upon studies showing that the performance is better, that black children can easily double, triple their scores, get far better grades, far better educations. I mean, Arizona, I remember one study in Arizona specifically citing how well black children did immediately upon going to these different charter schools and getting out of that environment. And the unions, right, the Democrats back with these teachers unions want to say, nope, cut funding like the LAUSD had wanted to basically ban any new charter schools in the deal to go back to school, considering code was around because they figured they had people over a barrel. And you look at what the, you know, the unions pressuring people not to go back to schools, all the, all the protests about having teachers get, get back out there. And people are sitting at home trying to make ends meet, trying to work. And the teachers are still being paid, of course. They're getting full salaries to sit at home and hold these fucking joke-ass Zoom classes and threaten people with calling CPS on them if their children aren't there. I'm sure you've seen those stories where literally like principals are threatening to number one, call CPS if they don't see, well, not only if the, if the children aren't attending the zoom classes, but also principals, I think it was in, uh, may I'm, I'm pulling this out of a hat. I think it might've been Michigan, but a principal is threatening to send CPS to parents' houses. If they didn't provide an accredited homeschooling program, is there any, legal justification for that. I mean, there's no moral justification for it. I can tell you that fucking much. And if you want to create your own child's homeschooling education protocol, that's up to you. It's your child. Fucking state approved homeschooling curriculum. Get the fuck out of here. So if you're at home and and the Democrats didn't speak at all about getting, you know, getting back to school, having school choice, getting your children the best opportunity for education, because it doesn't behoove them because they're getting all their money from the teachers unions and the opposite side of things. The Republicans on day one were emphasizing school choice. I tuned in a little bit because I wanted to hear Rand Paul speak. And I heard three different times school choice mentioned and pushed to the forefront. When you have people sitting at home, tearing their hair out, if they had an opportunity, especially with a charter school or a private school or whatever you might want to do, a learning pod school that people can create, you know, teachers are doing a lot of that now. If you have that opportunity and you have children that are sitting home while you're trying to work a job and you have nowhere else to go and you can't put them anywhere and they're driving you crazy and it's making your, not only your life miserable, but threatening your very income because how are you going to work and have these kids at home at the same time? Why would you, again, look at the Democrats and go, oh, they've got my vote? It's just, I mean, I, I, I honestly just can't believe the Democratic messaging on this. It just is, it was so tone deaf to the overall tone and tenure of the country and what people are really caring about because the everyday person is not affected by uh, systematic oppression. They don't see it. They don't participate in it. The average white person thinks that racism is abhorrent. Being called a racist or being thought of as a racist is one of the worst things they could possibly think of. They go out of their way not to be racist. And for them to sit at home and hear all this fucking scolding about Black Lives Matter and racism and how white people are bad and how we need to help. 
yada, 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 on and on, not addressing what's going on with schooling, what's going on with the economy, what's going on with the warfare state, what's going on with all these different things. Who's going to stop our cities from burning, but let's defund the police in the middle of it. It's just bad. It's bad messaging. And so speaking of Rand Paul, so he spoke, I, you know, I thought I was going to catch him, but I could not catch him live. So I got a uh, transcript of his speech, which, you know, pretty good. I give it, I don't give it a, pl- a plus or a, or a minus. It's pretty neutral. Some stuff was good. I think, you know, obviously he's speaking at the RNC, so he's not going to hammer Trump on it. But he talked about how Donald Trump has actually done a lot to, you know, talk to Rand Paul, work about trying to bring troops home from Afghanistan. First president in our lifetime, or not in my lifetime, but first president uh, in quite a long time to actually consider bringing troops home and not starting any new wars. So Rand talked about that. He also talked about the association health plans, which I talked about on the show before, which is fantastic. You know, allowing people to buy better, cheaper health insurance with these association plans rather than having to buy it on your own or or get it through a a specific employer. And also the First Step Act. You know, I don't think Tim Scott mentioned it in his speech that I caught. And again, I'm not watching every speech because I just won't submit myself to that. But Rand Paul talking about the First Step Act. I mean, literally reforming the shit that Joe Biden did. And Rand Paul says that in this speech. Joe Biden helped hand in hand with the Clintons to create this horrible crime bill that put a generation of black men in prison. And Donald Trump said, "Okay, fine. I'll work with whoever needs to work with here. Cory Booker, fine. You hate my guts. I don't care. I'll sign it. It's a good thing. Donald Trump also has stopped cracking down on federal marijuana, you know, at a federal level on marijuana dispensaries. That's great. He, want, he says he wants to stop the endless wars. That's great. So there was a lot to like in Rand Paul's statements. The problem is in the theory of, behind it, where Donald Trump talks about wanting to end the endless wars and he talks about bringing troops home. While we're seeing some of that happening, we're seeing talk of bringing troops home from Germany, and that seems to be concrete. Um, I was reading an article today about that actually happening. But all of that's good. We yet to see the fruition of these statements. And maybe that's going to take a second term. I don't know. I'm still not going to vote for Donald Trump personally, but I certainly hope I get a chance because seeing what Donald Trump is talking about, as opposed to what Joe Biden wants to do night and day. I mean, Joe Biden is a, he has no problem, no qualms. He voted for the Iraq war. He has no qualms with continuing the war state. He has no problem with uh, continuing the police state. You know, Joe Biden is a guy that's his track record speaks too strongly for anything to really counter that. And even in his time in office under Obama, we saw what happened with domestic spying. We saw what happened with accelerating wars in the Middle East. They got a peace prize, you know, Obama did, and Joe Biden, I presume, was holding his coattails up when he got it. But you have all of these wars ongoing. You have amplification of wars in Syria. You have Libya and the shit show that Libya became, which has real slavery. And Obama and Biden were just traipsing through that. You know, happily skipping along towards this ongoing war state. So why should I ever believe him when he says otherwise? And not that Trump's done a lot to show me that I should believe in him to end the war state, but I got to give him the benefit of the doubt if it's it's one or the other standing next to each other. And yes, I take into account the fact that Trump has raised the military budget every goddamn year, which makes no sense if you're trying to end the wars or bring the troops home to continuously raise the Pentagon budget, especially with how much fraud and... uh, repurposing and book cooking that goes on in that ridiculous institution. Okay. How's about, uh, let's see what else I want to talk about. I think that was about, Oh, I got to talk about two quick things. One is Kimberly 
God, I don't even know how to say her name. She's like, she was on Fox News. Kimberly Gooey Foil? Gee Foil? I don't know. Gooey Foil? <laughs> I don't fucking know. But I clicked on a video of her talking, and uh, it was literally like Brick Tamlin yelling at Anchorman. She's just like, you know, she's speaking to nobody. There's nobody there. And she's just like, we love Donald Trump! It's like, God damn, lady. Tone it down, girl. You're like a guy jerking off to porn and yelling, you're so hot, baby. I'm so into you. It's like, he's, he can't hear you. Nobody's there. She's not there with you, guy. Just jerk off quietly like the rest of us. Hide your shame. So that was weird. And then people, I think, were rightly uh, calling out Donald Trump Jr. for just looking real strange. Like he was giving a speech and his eyes were all watery. Maybe he was overcome by emotion. Maybe the lights were in his eyes and it was hot, but people were saying it looked like he was on coke. And you know what? If I was Donald Trump's son, I certainly would be too. Why not? Live it up. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. I mean, it definitely two different tenors of um, of statement there. And the, you know, the Democratic, it was just like I said, it was one of the most boring, atrociously produced, amateurish, just awful, awful. Like watching a uh, a school auditoriums, uh, it's funny, on Bravo and Beer, we couldn't remember the fucking phrase for this. When the kids all come together, we're having, (laughs) I can't remember it again. Kids, we're going to be having a, I don't know, a seminar for children. I'm blanking on the name of it again, even though we figured it out on the other show. Anyway, assembly, an assembly. It's like watching an assembly. That's what the Democratic was. It was basically a badly put together assembly telling you how shitty you are and uh, and what you have to do to be a good boy versus the Republicans, which I got to say, is, it's more life to it. You know, it's definitely more upbeat. I'm sure they told people that, you know, hit the highlights because you don't want to come in and say how, how horrible it is. Although at the end of Rand Paul's speech, and this has actually been a, a theme, they talked about California, like, do you want the entire United States to become a California. And Rand Paul talked about how, you know, we need Joe Biden stands for, uh, you know, our city's burning, our economy falling to pieces. And yeah, I mean, when you look at the state of a lot of these places that are really, really blue, I mean, Portland and New York and Minneapolis, et cetera, California somehow hasn't been as destroyed. Although Santa Monica just got absolutely ravaged as did some of the Melrose places. But it's a powerful message. And as I said, these BLM protesters and rioters and uh, those who are allowing it to go on in their cities don't seem to understand that you are just driving people into the arms of the Republicans. I don't give a shit if Biden and and Kamala are noted prosecutors, Kamala for, for being the worst of the worst. The leadership there and overarchingly what the Democratic Party has aligned itself with, with the messaging of race war, race war, race war is going to make people say, why would I want to have these people in charge again? And one thing, actually, the only thing that Tim Scott's uh, speech pissed me off is he goes, this is a race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. No mention of Joe Jorg. Too bad. Everybody's overlooking the Joe Jorgs. Sad, sad state of affairs. Um, let's move on. I want to talk real quick about a couple more things. I do want to talk about Virginia planning mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations for all residents. Now, I guess under the state laws that were put into place there in Virginia's state constitution or whatever it might be, 
it does allow people, you know, whoever's overseeing their health, it does allow them to mandate vaccines for everybody, which seems like if you challenge the constitutionality of it will not hold up in court whatsoever. But as our fellow lion, Howie Snowden said, he will leave Virginia if they try to mandate vaccinations. And I think you're going to see a lot of people say, fuck that, especially when we have what are there, 20 different vaccines being worked on? Donald Trump said he's going to push through one, even though the FDA doesn't want him to. Not that I'm a fan of the FDA in any way, shape, or form, mind you, but when you have vaccines coming out, you don't know necessarily what's going to happen, which is safe, which has been uh, you know pushed through more quickly than other ones, what the testing's been, and then you could just have some government stooge say, yep, uh, we pulled a name out of the hat. It's COVID be gone. Yes, everybody, shove some COVID be gone up your ass and uh, make sure that you keep it in there for 24 hours, asshole clenched. Otherwise, we're going to put you in jail and separate you from your kids, which, of course, you know that's what they'll threaten. They'll threaten to take your children away from you because that's how all government mandates work. They always come for your children because government is a fucking horrible, monstrous organization that has no scruples and will use whatever hurts you the most against you at all times. Speaking of government monsters, Kim Jong-un, that little chubby guy named Kim Jong-un, apparently he's in a coma, yes, he is non-responsive, and his sister Kim Jong-yo is gonna take control. That's what they're saying. Now, this could all be complete bullshit, because there were rumors before that Kim Jong-un had died, or he had a heart attack, and this is because people coming over from the border, you know, their, their informants, who knows if they know, was accurate. They may be just making shit up to take get a little bit more treatment from the South Korean government. They may be getting a little bit more uh, incentive to tell lies. Because really, if you're coming over from North Korea to South Korea or to wherever you're going to, and you're like, I have information, you know, somebody please give me a hot dog. Uh, because Kim Jong-un has confiscated all of our real dogs, which is true in the capital, and forced us to eat them. Um well, we don't know if he's forced in. He said that the dogs was a symbol of uh, you know bourgeoisie lifestyle, and only the rich could afford dogs, so they had to give up their dogs. But people are surmising it's because of the horrible food for- food shortages in North Korea, and they're just going to be made into meat. But if you're coming over, you have an incentive to tell tall tales so in order to get better treatment. So who knows if this is true or not. However, legitimate reports are definitely saying that Kim Yo-jong has taken more control over And that may be a precursor to his actual death or ceding full power because he is not in good health. I mean, the guy's like 5'7 and 300 pounds. He smokes. He eats like shit. He's got a harem of of little Korean ladies that uh, take care of him. Otherwise, he spends his time yelling at people and blowing up generals. So who's to know? But... I don't know. It's a little bit worrisome because I know Trump and Kim Jong-un at least had some sort of dialogue going. I know that uh, she had come over at the Olympics. I think that she had met and sat in the same box as Melania and Mike Pence. So who knows? But for the people of North Korea, I certainly do hope that a dialogue continues. As I've said many a time, having a free market get into place in that country is far more important than any sort of non-nuclear proliferation treaty that could happen between the U.S. and North Korea. Really, the most important thing would be at free trade, freedom of information through there. Because once that happens, that country is going to quickly become uh, far less dangerous. Because once you have the people and the populace taking free, you know, taking part in a capitalist system, the seeing the benefits that it brings, you're going to have a pretty quick revolution on your hands. Either that or the uh, if the uns 
are or the Jongs, I should say, are uh, no the Kins. <laughs> Uh, messing up my which one's the first name, which one's the last name with the uh, with the Asians. But if you have them as uh, adept as they've been at staying in power, whether you like them or not, they will quickly see the writing on the wall and move to adopt capitalism pretty quickly. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, let's see. I don't really have an idiot of the week. I have a new song. You know, I have a new revamp song from uh, from old Josh Anderson, which I think I'll play to take us out. And, uh, and I will, I will be the idiot of the week. The idiot and the asshole of the week will be me this, this week as with many weeks. But I will say one thing that was pretty stupid is Trump did a, uh, kind of a man on the street as people are calling it segment where he's talking to people. One of which was a priest that was held hostage for two years in Turkey. Uh, they were accusing him of being involved in espionage and then finally was released as Trump, Trump had negotiated said, okay, free them up. And he's sitting down talking to this guy. And he's like, well, I think Erdogan's uh, is very good. He was very good. And the guy's like, well, yeah, except for the two years I was in fucking prison, you dick. <laughs> that actually is a pretty good idiot of the week. And then uh, the other thing I just wanted to bring you guys around to before I talk about these New Jersey heroes is that the Trump administration is about to set a modern record for federal executions. Now, I can definitively say as a father of a young girl, and even well before this, you know, if somebody is out there raping and murdering children, I have zero problem with them dying. If a father is inspired to shoot that person in the head, I think that he should get off scot-free. Or mother, moms, get your guns, Second Amendment rights, go kill the pedophiles, all for it. Make sure, you know, for a fact that they did it. But when it comes to federal government, you just, I mean, there's too many examples. There's the Freedom Project. There's, you know, I, I, I might be working with another justice organization here in Los Angeles. There's another one working with uh, primarily black um, people that have been accused of crimes that they didn't commit. I think that was based in Detroit. I've been talking to work with. When you look at the number of crimes that are committed that are then death sentences, and then you find out with DNA evidence or in Kamala, Kamala Harris's case, you know, evidence that she just doesn't want to allow to be permitted. You cannot trust government with the power to execute people. We've seen too many times where they're innocent and they're executed anyway, because we're not revealed in time. Seen too many times where government hides evidence where the, the arresting prosecutor or the criminal prosecutors or the sheriffs or the police or whoever is partaking in that investigation are planning evidence, altering evidence or hiding evidence that can easily lead to someone's death. There are just too many stories to ignore. So this is a despicable thing for the Trump administration to do. I know, you know law and order is what Trump's going down the, uh, the line of here, even though he's in line with the First Step Act. I ask how you can sign the First Step Act, which is getting people that have committed nonviolent crimes, allowing them to get back and, and get their lives on track again, and still be all for federal executions when you know that a lot of these people, maybe not a lot, you know that a percentage of these people haven't done anything. They are a victim of the system and a victim of corrupt individuals, and yet you are more than happy to put them to death. DNC, of course, they're not talking about that because they don't give a shit. All right, last thing on the show. These two New Jersey gym owners, you've probably been following this this, uh, back and forth. They are basically in a war, all-out war with the governor of New Jersey because they own this gym called Attilus Gym. 
And uh, let me bring up the story real quick so I can tell you what their names are. Uh, da, da, da. So the two guys that own the gym are named Ian Smith and Frank Trombetti. And this is in Belmar, New Jersey, which is kind of close to where I grew up. Uh, but I, on the PA side is where I was. But I, but I know where Belmar is. So they kept, he kept shutting them down. And they're like, look, we, we want to be open. There's no fucking science behind it. We don't agree with this. We think this is unconstitutional. And these guys have been some of the few to push back and just be like, fuck you. The cops boarded up their doors. They went in, kicked the goddamn boards off, and were like, we're open. Come in. Come on in. We're fucking open. And they contend that Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey's insistence on this quote-unquote emergency executive powers, is going to force him into bankruptcy. And so they reopened. They use all the social distancing, the masks, the disinfection rules, and all this other shit. Um, the governor has yanked their business license. So these guys, these modern-day heroes... These Adonises of the gym have allied with a guy named Rick Meta, who's a or Meta, a pharmacist who's running for the U.S. Senate, and so they turn the gym into Meta's campaign headquarters. And this is a great uh, excerpt. Gym owner Frank Trombetti, or the co-owner, uh, said of potential government interference at the gym. "Quote: Everyone who comes in here will be a volunteer for the Meta campaign, comma, and will be here to exercise our rights. And we're not requiring masks either." <laughs> <laughs> ah, hilarious. I fucking love it that these guys are standing up for their right to just do business and are using the government's own rules and uh, opening up as a campaign headquarters against them in order to, to keep their gym alive and thriving, or at least to support somebody that can fight back for them. So good job there, guys. Um, all right, that's going to do it. Hope that that made sense. <laughs> it's like, my wife came in. Yeah, I've talked about this. My wife came in like three times while I'm recording it. So I'm like talking. I'm trying to comp- I'm trying to finish up what I'm saying because I'm in, you know, the way I talk. It's a stream of consciousness. I'm on a track. And if I get derailed from this track of thought, I will not be able to find my way back. I'll have to start the whole thing over again. So it's like three times. She comes in with the dog. She comes in to ask me something. She comes in holding the baby and just staring at me, holding the baby. And I'm like <laughs> staring at my six-month-old. And just like in the eyes that she's like, and I'm just like screaming about whatever for the next minute and a half until I can finish the thought. Ah, this is what it is. This is what has what life is, I guess, with a child and when you don't have a podcasting studio to go to. And I don't know if we're ever going to do that, frankly. I just need a, uh, I need a, a room with a lock on the door. That's the, that's the answer. All right, guys. Reminder to listen to Bravo and Beer, our new podcast from me, John Odermatt, and Rico. That's every Thursday morning. Actually, it publishes late Wednesday nights. We record Wednesday nights. But talking about all your favorite trash TV shows from the perspective of three drunk straight men. So it's pretty funny. Great, uh, great stories, great recaps. Check it out. I promise you will like it even if you don't watch the shows. And, of course, never forget to listen to Mark Claire on Mondays. He had a great guest on this past uh, Monday's show talking about kind of separating yourself from all the encumbrances you don't really need in life and going out and kind of paring your life down, surviving on your own, starting your, your, you know, kind of finding your own path away from the standard. And this is from a guy who was a former federal agent for 20 years, so pretty uh, interesting story. And then, of course, John Odermatt with Felony Fridays every Friday. And, guys, we are still doing our uh, Write Us a Five-Star Review and, uh, you know, again, not just put the five stars on there, write a nice little review up on iTunes. We will answer a question as posed to us. We were trying to figure out if we're going to do a show of that, like a full show now, or if we might 
try to experiment and start answering those on our Instagram or uh, or in a Facebook Live format. So check that out. Uh, join the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type it in, Lions of Liberty Forum. Answer some questions. We'll let you write in. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. And of course, you can follow me at Brian McWilliams. So for me, at Brian McWilliams, the guy who runs that very Twitter, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty. Now let's check out some idiots and assholes from our pride supporter and our pal, Josh Anderson. No reason or sanity to be found. Idiots and assholes 